Hey, everyone, and welcome to today's Wednesday special with Damon Talbot. Plenty to talk about, but first, let me remind you to subscribe and share on whatever platform you are listening. Continue to push this podcast up the charts with our audio scouting reports every Tuesday and Thursday, along with our Wednesday specials. There is plenty to hear, but we have plenty to talk about today. No more intros, nothing else. Damon Talbot, welcome to the podcast. Hey, brother, how are you? Doing awesome. It's a beautiful day. Uh, you know, it's football season. What what more could he ask for? Amen on that. I'm ready. I love it. Good, good. Well, uh, tell us a little bit about your background. Um, did you play ball? Did you grow up around football? How did you get into the football world and kind of what you're doing now? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I did play football, I, you know, all the way back to my little days. I played peewee midget football all the way up and uh i was a running back back then i don't know what happened but by the time i was a senior in high school i was a field goal kicker and uh, i would like to say i was pretty decent i had quite a bit of opportunities to go play at the next level um but in 1999 i ended up with an injured back and um it took me out of football playing the game um and I was actually in a wheelchair for 28, 28 months and uh, took me quite a bit of time to recover, to, re to get all the way back to normal. Um, I did thankfully get back. Um, I was able to walk again and do everything else. I had broke my L3, L4, L5. That's one of my lower lumbar in my back and um, put a real uh, strain on my on my life, to be honest with you. Yeah. But um. I just continued to grind and work. And it's something that I've always wanted to do. My dream was to be a football player. You can go back in my little high school, my little school assignments when I was a little kid talking about how I was going to be a Buffalo Bill. And I, I still, still to this damn 40, I still think I'm going to be a Bill, but <laughs> um, it, it doesn't, it didn't change. It didn't help me any, but uh, you know, now football has always just been a passion of mine. And because of that, you know, I was able to, get into helping football players several years ago. I started off working through interns through an internship. I worked multiple years, 10 years plus of being an intern working for free for other people to understand the game. I've worked for the shrine director, Eric Gelko under optimum scouting. I've worked for a bunch of different companies um, like yard Barker and different different companies to where we write articles and pump out their names and do different things like that. And then I started the draft diamond process where I wanted to see how good I was at scouting. So I took 12 guys from small schools just to see where they'd go. And all 12 of them ended up making it to the NFL. Uh, several of them ended up being draft picks and some of them are still in the league. So, you know, it just became a blessing and became something that I just got lucky at and, or maybe I just was pretty good at it. Either way, uh, that's how I got into it, and I have not stopped since. It's became a full-time job, even though it's not what I do full-time, but it is a long day's work every day. And then recently, you know, obviously, you, as you know, I joined in with the Hula Bowl. So that's just another thing that we just added on to it. But, yeah, so definitely I played, and I love the game. And, um, you know, that's that's how I started off in the industry. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I mean, you, you talk – Plenty of plenty of people, uh, maybe not to the degree with your back injury, but, uh, you know, injuries can cut careers short. And, you know, just the 
the desire, the passion to stay in the game. Um, again, I talked about it with, with just about everybody. There is, there is nothing like being on a team and a football team is always unique. And whether it's, whether it's part of the scouting staff, the coaching staff, or being a player on the team, there's just nothing quite like it. So um, to have that passion desire, you know, certainly helps you get through 28 months in a, in a wheelchair and back to where you can, where you can be around it all the time. So perfect. So obviously you mentioned two things, draft diamonds and the hula bowl, both those things we're going to talk about today. Let's start with draft diamonds. Um, Awesome website. Awesome. You know, uh, whatever you want to call it, service system scouting, you know, group that you guys have. What is draft diamonds? Talk a little bit more detail. What was its Genesis? Um, Just talk to me about all that. So Draft Diamonds was created, you know, I I was sick of reading about Alabama football players and Florida football players, and I'm just talking about the universities. Um, You know, I live here in Central Florida, but every single website you go to talks about the top dogs. They talk about the FBS guys. They they talk about the top 10 prospects of the FBS, and they, they leave out these guys that are underdogs that are underrated determined ambitious diamonds in the rough so to speak and they're not forgotten you know that's what draft diamonds became a a staple in is we're going to find those guys well i want to find i want to find the andrew ogletrees of the world i want to find the you know the guys that nobody knows about that just pop up the cater kohu who's the pff rated number one rookie of the week from, you know, in college football, he ends up going into the league this week and plays 17 snaps and ends up with a monster game. And that's that's what we want to do. That's what I that's what I'm determined to do. That's what I strive to do. And our team does that And our our team's led by, you know, my lead scouts. Jimmy Williams is an animal. I mean, his his database is better than anybody's. I don't care who's out there. I'm willing to put my guys database up against anybody. NFL teams know it's amazing. I mean, it's, it's a beast and we've built a monster and it's been able to succeed. And we give a guys a platform that may never see their name on an ESPN article and to be able to have their name out there, telling their story, you know, being able to talk about, you know, their, their past and, and what their future may hold. And I mean, that's, that's what we want to do is give these guys a platform make it equal to obviously one of these other major websites is ESPN. It started off where it was just the family members retweeting the stuff. And now people are interested in finding them diamonds. So, you know, they're definitely a niche and um, it's, it's been a successful one. Yeah, absolutely. So when I was with the Falcons for a long time, the Falcons were not part of NFS or Blesto and I go out on the road and, you know, we're having to find all these prospects. And I can tell you as a scout, I was constantly checking draft diamonds. All right. Who are the small school guys in my Midwest area that I need to check on? You guys were awesome at that. Um, so obviously you, when you're talking about smaller school prospects is what it a lot of times is more off the radar, maybe non-traditional football schools um, other than interviews, you know, getting their name out there, what goes extra into scouting these players, finding these players, kind of getting their name out there? Yeah, so we build a database, and this database is massive. It goes all the way back into the kids' history. It goes and tells 
weight room numbers. It tells, you know, um, off the field interest, you know, different things that, you know, if they have two parents, one parent, if they're, you know, if they've been um, arrested, if they have any medical issues, anything that you can think of. And we break down this, all their information, put it into the system with their contact information and everything. And we give that and provide that to the NFL teams for free every year. We've never offered, we've never asked for a dollar. We've never reached out to somebody and said, hey, you know, we need your information and then turn around and sold it. We've never done that. We take that information, we provide it to the NFL, to the NFL teams or certain people on NFL teams for free. Or like when you were a scout, if you would have reached out and said, hey, you look, you know, I'm in the Midwest. You know, what guys do I have in my area? We would have sent you our database. So you would have been able to go in that way. We know that no player will be missed. Um, Obviously, when you go into these schools, you know, just as well as I do, when when you go into this school, you'll have a coach to come by and tell you, yeah, these two or three guys are really NFL prospects. But if they have an issue with a guy. Sometimes that happens. They're not going to recommend him, which means you don't write him up. And then when you don't write him up, you know, he has a rejected grade or whatever. And then that kid ends up falling through. He ends up getting signed by another team in your division. And now all of a sudden they're looking at you like, hey, this dude ends up being a pro bowler and they're wanting to know how come you didn't scout him. And, you know, I don't want you to miss, but I also don't want that kid to, to be passed over either because everybody's been through situations where somebody don't like them. And, um, if we're really going you know, to be truly honest about football, I look at football first and then the other stuff in football. If you can play the game, you should be rode up. If you have off the field things, then fine. You can determine that later, but we want to make sure that the football player themselves, if they're sticking out on film, when we walk, when we brought, uh, break down the film or whatever, that we're putting that information in there. So we always look at football first and then the other stuff. That's awesome. So when you talk about your database, um, is that, are you gleaning every, are you gleaning stats? Are you gleaning height, weight, speed guys? Are you gleaning, um, you know, kind of all conference lists? Where do your lists start to help make sure nobody goes missed that may have a chance to play? Well, obviously statistics is, is big. I mean, you, you need some stats to be somewhat. I mean, if you're at the FCS level and you have, you know, the statistics and you have the different things and you're probably already well known by the NFL teams. Um, so most teams probably already know you per se, but let's just say you're a backup tight end and you're six, five, 240 pounds and your bench is 450 and you're, 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 you know, power clean and 395. You're a prospect. Well, you might not get the ball, but you're a prospect. Now, why? Why are you a prospect? Well, you you check a lot of boxes. Yep. You might I don't know what you look like on the field, but if you're putting up numbers like this when we talk to your strength coach or when we talk to your coaching staff, we might ask the coach like why aren't you throwing this guy the ball? Um that them are the things that we want to know. And that's that's what happens. A lot of times some guys have the physical traits, but they don't have the the play with it. Even if you have the physical traits, we're going to put you on our list because at the end of the day you have something that other people don't. We all know that getting it to the NFL is one thing, but can you check the boxes? And me and you both know you have to check the boxes. If I don't check boxes, then there's no point of you even being scouted. And there are players that you'll go into a place and you're going to say, well, this guy doesn't check any boxes. You're going to go on and keep going. But then there's going to be guys where you go and you go, holy crap, this guy checks every box. And, you know, like his production's not there, but, 
he, he's a beast. There was a tight end a couple of years ago. His name was Kyle Offrey. And uh, he checked every box, but he had like five receptions his entire career. And I mean, but like he was just a fast, physical, big dude. He ended up playing in the league for multiple years and and having a successful career. It's sometimes you got to check boxes for for other things. And that's that's kind of what we do, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I mean, that's that's a great way to put it. And, yeah, that's terminology I use all the time, checking boxes, height, weight, speed production um and you know you look at you look at the level of competition and find out who he's playing against and um you just start going through and um that's good scouts will always find a reason to keep guys around keep giving them a chance um and there's you know you would say maybe the lazy scouts will you know quickly look and then reject guys and move on and um again those guys are going to have questions to answer at some point in the future when that player is playing against them on Sunday and um, doing good things. So, uh, so good. What about a couple prospects that you're excited about this year that uh, you're going through the process on now? Obviously we're early in the season, but uh, some guys, maybe some sleepers that you want to get their names out there right now. There's a tight end right now at the university of Campbell. Um, Mike Minner's running a, a, a show down there in the FCS. He's a beast. He's a great coach, great human. And, uh, man, I was looking at their film, and everyone wants to talk about their tackle, and everyone wants to talk about, you know, their defensive end. But I'm telling you right now, there's a tight end on that team named Julian Hill that is a beast. He is probably one of the best tight end prospects in his draft class, and people are sleeping on him. He looks the part. He is a specimen. Um, he's He has no social media. The only social media he has is a LinkedIn page. Are you kidding me? That dude's a <laughs> professional already. Yeah. Um, you got to love that. And then when you look at his LinkedIn, the guy's like posting about like different nonprofit things that he's doing. Like this dude's all he, he's checking so many boxes that he fires me up. Um I hate to even say his name because I know other scouts will listen to this and then they'll steal it. But at the end of the day, it is what it is. You know, give him props where it's due. You know, Julian Hill is a guy that I love. I think he's a, he's going to be a, a solid football player in the National Football League, and I think he'll make it for many years. Um, there's other prospects. You know, uh, I'll give you – I'm trying to think uh, another guy that I could give you that's a sleeper. Oh, man, that's a tough one. I don't want to give out too much information here. Um, let's see. Well, there's a kid named Iyabi Anoma. He's at Michigan right now. He's a transfer. He was a five-star recruit coming out of high school, bounced around from school to school, went to Alabama, moved out of Alabama, ended up in Michigan. And uh, he's at Michigan right now, but he was at a FCS program last year. In his first week in Michigan, people probably weren't even expecting this kid to do anything. He went out and just dialed it. He, he dialed it in, man. He ended up with a sack and a half, I think. He, he was all over the football field. He's a kid that you're going to want to keep an eye on. He checks so many boxes. There is some off-the-field stuff, obviously, that's going to hold him back a little bit. And, um, you know, I think he'll be a guy that will kind of creep up boards. It's really hard to find solid and sound pass rushers. Yep. And guys that check boxes, and he's a guy that checks a lot of boxes. Might not have it all upstairs, but you know, when it comes down to the film, I mean, he's he's just he's something else on film, man. He just sticks out. He burns his person, and uh, he he does a great job at getting up the field and pursuing the QB. I mean, he, he's he's a really a sound football player. 
That's awesome. That's uh, yeah, I know he's he really jumped out, getting on a lot of boards. And like you said, you when you start going through that past process, why was he at an FCS school? Why has he transferred a couple times? Number one, like you said, he can play. Now it's all these scouts' jobs, directors' jobs to determine. All right, these issues, these reasons that he has bounced around. You know, has he has he answered those? Has he moved on? Is this a player? You know, ultimately, can we trust him to play on Sunday? And uh, you know, that's that'll be the next part of the process for uh, for all these guys that uh, maybe have some of those things. So, um, awesome. What about what about just one or two past guys that you're really proud of that you feel like you found helped make to the NFL? Obviously, these guys are all doing work themselves. What about some guys that like, hey, this guy's always going to be my back pocket. Love him, and he uh, he proved us right. Well, I have to, I mean, Pierre Desir is like, I mean, he's been like family to me, man. I mean, I talk to the kid regularly. You know, he was a kid that came on board. I mean, he was a janitor. I mean, he he was a father and a janitor and a husband in college. And I mean, from cleaning toilets and picking up crap and all that to going on to play at Lindenwood. He started off at Washburn, ended up, then went to Lindenwood to go to the NFL and have a, have a super career um, to be able to make the money that he made and to set his family up for the, for their life. I mean, he's a guy that I'll always, you know, he's, he's like a family member to me and, you know, for him, that's definitely one guy, you know, I'll, I'll be the first to say, I still will stand on the table for this. I, I was the person that discovered Marquette King. I don't care what anyone says. and I know he's not in the league right now, but damn it, he should be. Yep. Um, Marquette King had the biggest leg. I went to a HBCU combine in Atlanta, Georgia, ran by Tabor Small, who was a stud uh, scout back in the day, helping with HBCU prospects. And um, this kid was all we heard as the scouts were standing around was this big boom, boom, boom. Man, it just kept happening. It sounded like it sounded like gunshots. And we turned around and every scout immediately grabbed their their hand timer and started timing the punts. And this kid was hitting five, five, five second punts. And this was back in golly when he was a rookie at Fort Valley State. And I'll never forget, everyone's like, damn, he looks like a receiver. Because if you had never seen Marquette King, man, the dude was chiseled up. He looked like a wide receiver. He looked physical and fast. And man, he could punt the damn ball. And I know the NFL teams will, you know, obviously they're pumping the brakes on him and giving him an opportunity because they claim off the field and all these different things. But as a human being, man, he's the nicest dude, man. I mean, now he's in the music career and trying to do different things, and he's still going to be back in the XFL. So those those two guys, they're like family to me, man. So them are guys that I would like to say I helped discover, but there's so many, man. I've helped so many guys. I've helped out guys at Carson Wentz, Cooper Cup. I mean, uh, uh, what's the big guy's name, the wide receiver? Um, oh, my Lord, I'm, I'm forgetting his name. That's bad. Um, for the Chargers, he played for the Chargers, Tyrell Williams, Tyrell Williams, oh, yeah, Tyrell, Austin yeah. Eckler. Yeah, so the guys, you know, we helped those guys. Austin Eckler, we were doing interviews on him. Like, nobody even knew who he was, and he blew up. Yep. And, um, you know, so there's a lot of guys that we've helped over the years that, you know, just tried to give their name and give them a platform, and they ended up taking off and doing great. So, you know, big credit to them because they're the ones that put forth the effort. And a uh, little credit to us because if you watch football, you would have seen they stuck out on film from the beginning. That's what you got to do is put on the film. 
That's awesome. Uh, so another thing that Draft Diamonds does, you have a uh, a fantasy spot on your website. What's uh, what's you guys' take into the fantasy world? What do you bring that uh, maybe sets you guys apart? Well, it's real simple. I mean, we bring the best of the best. And why that is, is we're the only, we are the only website in the country that has five doctors, the fantasy doctors on our staff that pump out videos talking about injuries. So let's say, for example, uh, Dak Prescott hurts his hand. We have a hand surgeon, a real hand surgeon that's talking about the surgery, what to look forward to. They break down the injury. They're at the fantasy doctors on YouTube. Um, they are, they grew so much from last year. We went from five, they went from 5,000 subscribers to 62,000 uh, in one football season. They're blown up. They have a draft guide. The guy who started it was Dr. Jesse Morse out of Miami. Um, he's an animal. I mean, if you're looking for the best football information when it comes to fantasy injuries, He's on point. He breaks down the injury just looking at it, can tell you what he thinks could happen. And uh, it's a rarity to have that. But to have five guys that are in this industry that work on guys at the highest level talking about the injury and breaking it down, they break it all the way down. Sometimes they'll bust out the dummy and show you exactly what it is and what happened. So they break it down to make you understand a little bit more. And, um, you know, if you're a fantasy football owner, and you know, you know, you don't know how bad a high ankle sprain is. You need to watch them because they'll break it down and show you exactly what a high ankle sprain is and how long it'll take you out. So there, that's why our fantasy page is a little bit different than others. That's awesome, man. I, I know people are going to take advantage of that and go out and you know win their fantasy uh, fantasy league, whatever money they got on the line. They can you know to you know find out your address and send you you know a cut of that check to make sure you know, get you get some credit there. So. Uh, Perfect. Well, let's transition. Let's talk about the Hula Bowl. What is the Hula Bowl? What's its background? How are you involved? Man, the Hula Bowl, to be honest with you, is probably one of the most historic football games in the country. I mean, we all know about the Senior Bowl and the Shrine game and a number of great games. I'm not going to put anything past them, but if you know anything about the Hula Bowl back in the 70s and 80s, the Hula Bowl was the game. Um, the Hula Bowl was established in 1946, started off in Hawaii, and you know, every single Heisman Trophy winner almost up until 2003 played in the Hula Bowl. So when you go back and you look at the rosters, the all-time rosters of the Hula Bowl, and you see Joe Montana, Tom Brady, you know, Dan Marino, and all these guys on there, you start going, golly, this roster was filthy because they had everybody, Tony Dorsett, and they had, you know, amazing class of guys. And, um, you know, obviously the Hula Bowl went away for about 10 years. And it came back in 2020. And at that point, I was working. I had just stopped working with the Shrine game and uh, helping Harold and Reed down in, in Tampa with the Shriners. And, uh, you know, I had an opportunity to meet the owner, Nick Logan. And after meeting him, you know, I just he's a Christian guy. He, you know, his heart was in the right place. He really wanted to do the game. He was, you know, they, the game, at the, to be honest with you, it didn't matter if they made money or not. He was backing it and he was happy about it because it was his. And, you know, I mean, he's you know, a businessman and he does other things. But, you know, he always wanted to make football first and he's always talked about that. And then the year before 2021, I actually helped with the CGS. My team did and uh, with the College Gridiron Showcase in Dallas with Jose Jefferson. And those guys do an awesome job, man. And, and you know, I can't. 
you know, they, they work so hard to try to give guys an opportunity and that's what we want to do. And then the opportunity presented itself. You know, I got a phone call out of the blue from Nick and, you know, he, he asked me if I wanted to come on board and I really had to think about it, but I put together a crew and we went on board and it ended up being a huge success. I mean, 19 of our players ended up making a 53 man roster last year, uh, or just this past year, 19 of them. Um, and then we had 16 guys make a practice squad. So when you're talking 35 guys getting an opportunity at the next level, um, out of a hundred players on your roster, that's, it's pretty good. I'll take that, you know? And, Absolutely. uh, so that's what it's about. You know, I mean, the hula bowl is something that we're striving to make better and better. And I want to make it the prime game again. And of course, obviously, I have some tough competition, Jim Nagy and Eric Gelko and even Dane Vandernet. You know, all those guys running these football games are they're terrific people and they have they have a lot of scouts. And I respect them. But, you know, we'll try to do things different and try to make it fun. And it's not owned by the NFL. It's owned by one person and want to do stuff differently. So, you know, we're, we're down here. We're, we're in Orlando, Florida now because it's no longer in Hawaii. So, you know, what better place to play right here than Orlando? I'm glad I'm like 45 minutes from my house. So I love it. But, um, you know, we're looking already. We're already scouting our teams out there. They're out in the field doing what they got to do and trying to find sleepers and, you know, we'll work to try to double them numbers. And that's what we got to keep doing until we, you know, obviously we can compete. Yeah, absolutely. I, there's been plenty of good players. Like you said, 35 out of that roster, that's a huge number. Um, scout attendance, how 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 have scouts attended it? And obviously it's been one that's kind of on the, the resurgence. You have these other all-star games. How, how has scout attendance been for you these last couple of years? Just last year alone, I'll give you an example. The year before it was played in Hawaii, and uh, I think they had about 50 to 60 scouts. And uh, that was everybody from CFL to XFL to um, NFL. And the, our first year in Orlando, we had 180. And, uh, you know, to, to see triple the scout attendance, to have six GMs walking around, to have GMs at your football game, um, it means something. And I think that, you know, I would like to say, the draft diamonds probably helped out a little bit with that because you know obviously these guys have been getting our information for years so to have them there in attendance it, it, it would meant a lot to us and to our staff and just to be able to see these guys you know and I know know they got studs man you know after the first week of football you had Isaiah Pacheco who got drafted who had 62 yards and a touchdown you had Cater Co who making plays Christian Benford starting week one over top of Kyer Elam I mean, that has to say something. I mean, that was one of our guys, a first-round pick, getting, you know, getting not even getting the start over a six-rounder that was at the Hula Bowl. So, I mean, it's just finding those diamonds and putting it all in there and trying to make the best of it. But to have eight guys drafted from the previous year, we had four. Uh, I'll take it. It's double. So that's that's what we're trying to do. That's awesome. Where do you see the Hula Bowl going in the future? Is it kind of continue to ramp up, get scouts in there, get good players um, you see any changes coming for the hula bowl? Um, I, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the future holds, but I know that there's some, we've, we've constantly are trying to grow it and we want it to be the best and we want to be able to compete with, with the others. And, you know, I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, if you have great football talent, scouts are going to be there. And that's at the end of the day, it don't matter what game you are. These games are all so vital for these kids and for their future to have a scout in attendance and to know that somebody's watching you 
uh, should drive you. And I think it, you know, my passion, my, my drive all the way from the beginning has always been about the kid. I'm not about, I, I, I mean, look, the numbers and everything are great to have it on my resume to be able to toot my own horn. But at the end of the day, it's truly about these kids for me. When I say that, I got on the phone after the draft and after free agency, and I had 15 to 20 guys in my game that still had not had an opportunity. And when I tell you it's about the kids, I got on the phone and called every single NFL team, and they'll they'll verify it. I called them and tried selling them my 15 guys that were sitting on the they were sitting at home, and I ended up getting 104 out of 112 guys an opportunity, and. I, you know, it's about an opportunity, a shot, a workout, anything that I could get. I was trying to make sure that my guys got an opportunity. I pounded the table for them. I even went as far as calling the WWE to see if I could get them a workout in the WWE. That's just how passionate and true I am to these kids. And that's what it's all about for me. It's not about the numbers are cool and everything, but man, just to be able to tell your grandkids that you put a helmet on and we're out there running around on the field and get pictures. That that's listen, man, that's what you play the game for. So I was trying to make sure that all my kids lived out that dream. Absolutely. And you do things the right way, the way you're doing them, it's gonna it's gonna pay off. You help these guys out. You know, it's all it always comes back around one way or another. And uh, you know, it's the right, right plan to continue to move forward. So obviously you've you've worked hard multiple things, hula bowl, draft times, everything that you've been involved in. For those that are maybe in your position a few years ago where, you, hey, start now, wanting to work in the football world, maybe they don't know where, scouting, operations, um, work with an all-star game. What's your advice to to those kind of people out there that just love ball and want to find their way in? Don't be afraid to do it for free. Um, I think that I think a lot of people are scared of that. They're scared to take a job for free. Um, but sometimes you got to prove yourself. And I think that, you know, obviously I I had a job when I was doing this. I'm 40 years old now. I don't want a job in the NFL. That's a lot of work. And, I mean, in the beginning I did, and I, I didn't get that. I didn't get that opportunity. I spent too long interning um, for other people. But I can tell you this. Find a, find a program, whether it be a college program, or an NFL program, try to get in their scouting department. If you can't get in scouting, get in anything to get your foot in the door. If you got to sell tickets, sell tickets. If you got to, if you got to be a water boy, be a water boy. As long as they see you, they'll trust you. And when they trust you, they'll give you an opportunity. And that's the way it works. How many guys do you know that you've been around in the league that it came from just to get their foot in the door? I started off, I'm not even going to lie to you. I was the ball placer. I, I placed balls in an arena football team. For an arena football team, ended up leading me into special teams assistant, ended up leading me into the opportunity to work with some amazing people like Pat O'Hara. And Nick Hill was my starting quarterback, and now he's a head coach at Southern Illinois, just signed a six-year deal. I mean, Colin Drafts is probably one of our backup quarterbacks, probably one of the best high school coaches in the country right now. So you end up meeting people and learning from people, and that that's what possibly i mean that's what blows you up at the end of the day the more people you meet it's just like linkedin you can send requests all day and then that one guy responds back to you and you just build that relationship and that's the same thing with me as intern man don't be afraid to work for free i know it sucks it's not you don't see it i did it for 10 years you can't tell me it doesn't suck um so i don't want to hear 
anybody complaining that they had to do a, a three or four month internship for free. Um, I did it for 10 years and my wife hated me for every minute of it. So um, 10 years of not getting paid sucks. But tell you what, man, the past 20 years have been pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh that's a great piece of advice. And you you just find a way to show how hard you can work. And and that's that's the end of the day. Just like every opportunity that you're given these players, if you're given the opportunity, you've got to work and work and then work a little bit more and you know prove that uh they can't operate without you. So that is awesome. Well, uh, well, Damon, this has been awesome. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. Uh your website, nfldraftdiamonds.com on and on Twitter at Draft Diamonds, is that right? Correct. Perfect. Give him a follow. Check out his website. Um, again, Damon, thanks for coming on. You know, possibly have you on the podcast again in the future as we get closer to Hula Bowl time. As always, um, like and share, subscribe this podcast out there. Listen for our audio reports and uh, whatever you're doing, whatever football you're watching, keep scouting. <laughs>